Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive truly because Australia's greatest road dog has made his glorious return. You know, after almost 18 months off the road or something like that, two years, two years away from my natural habitat, re the road, okay, I have made my glorious return, you know, great to just sleep in my own bed again, great to, great to enjoy the creature comforts that only your own personal home can provide, uh, because I was out there, I was out there doing it, I was on the road for 16 hours over the weekend, uh, traveled one hour and 20 minutes to Wollongong. And, you know, like they say, travel does open up your, it opens up your eyes and your mind's eye. Okay. I am seeing the world through a perspective. I simply haven't seen it through before. So looking forward to this week's podcast, obviously a pretty wild week. You know, I thought I was having a particularly wild weekend. And then Will Smith has just done this whole thing, which I'll get into, uh, you know, further down the road of this podcast. But I'll tell you what I freaking hate about uh, just um, how America is like the whole deal when it comes to culture. I feel like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock has kind of taken the shine away from Ash Barty's retirement. A once in a generation tennis player, one of the greatest of all time to step on the court for this great nation. And now we're all pretending that it's, it's just sort of gone with the wind and we're all talking about what happened in fucking Los Angeles as if it has anything to do with our business right here on the home front, okay? We've got about 10 days to convince Ash not to do this. I thought that was blatantly obvious to everyone here, but now that Will Smith has shown the first bit of personality we've seen from him in quite some time, I think we're all forgetting that a living legend is slipping through the cracks as we speak, you know? Ash Barty retiring at 25. It's got to be one of the greatest retirements of all time, okay? Such a mug-off to the sport of tennis and anyone who wants her to continue because the best retirements are when people beg you to stay. You know, when Mike Hussey retired, Australian cricket legend Mike Hussey, When he retired, they begged him to go on the next tour. Now, that's a retirement, okay? Other other blokes, I'm not going to name names, they they retire, inverted commas, down the barrel of a shotgun, very well knowing that they will not be picked for the next touring squad. So they just want to slip in a retirement before they have freaking Justin Langer on the blower telling them that they're 37 and it's all over. So to see Ash Barty do it all and retire at the age of 25, what? What are you talking about? What a complete mugging. I love it, okay? Right off. Right off and do your own thing. My favorite part was she said she physically doesn't have the drive anymore at 25. We both know that physically she's more than capable I mean, it's only March. How many, how many more slams was she going to win this year alone? Okay. God forbid when she turns 26, all right? I know freaking males hit their, their sexual peak in their early 30s. 
because I'm mates with a couple of bald blokes who don't root often and they're 29 hoping that things are about to turn around. But as far as women's peak tennis performance, I wouldn't have the slightest clue. But I think 25, you've still got three to five more years of just you absolutely dominating, you know? Just think of the money. Think of the fans. Think about freaking blokes like me in the stands absolutely loving it. And she said goodbye to all of it. I rate that so highly. You know, to retire so young is just... its like I mean, Serena Williams was... She was winning two years ago. She's about 38 and pregnant. She might be older than that. She's been around for ages. Or she might be younger and I'm quite insensitive. But Serena Williams was winning at 38, roughly, while heavily pregnant. And you're telling me a 27-year-old Ash Barty couldn't get off the couch with zero training and give these girls some problems? You know, the best the best mugging is, it's not when when you get someone, you know? It's not when, you know, you rip on someone to their face and you outsmart them. The best mugging of all time is when someone comes up to you and goes, Bill, I fucking, you piece of shit, blah, 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 you owe me this, I hate you, your haircut is not as good as you keep telling everyone. And you go, you don't even know who they are, okay? When you're just like, sorry, who are you? What have I, you, have I done something to you? That's Ash Barty. She's got the whole tennis world at her feet in her prime. And she goes, yeah, sorry, guys. I actually don't want to play tennis anymore, okay? Is anyone else getting sick of hitting a fucking tennis ball every day? Because I am. All right? Yeah, I know I'm in, in the shape of my life. Yeah, I know I'm in the form of my life. Yeah, I know every night before I go to bed, I take off the freaking nation's hopes and, dr- hopes and dreams and I put them on my bedside table charging next to my iPhone 13, okay? But I'm just, I just don't really feel like playing tennis anymore, guys. What a retirement. And fair play as well to people who can step away quietly, you know? If it was me, I would have kept playing out of spite for the rest of the year not enjoyed myself, and then said at next year's Australian Open, this is my last one. Everyone fill the stands because we're going out with a bang. Okay? And then I'm doing the whole thing. I'm getting driven around in a ute at the at the MCG. You know, I'm doing the rounds on telly. Oh, my God. I'd, I'd go out. My retirement would be bigger than my career. Okay? Because I'm selfish, and I want I want people to... I want to know that people are sad that I'm leaving, okay? Because I'm fragile. Ash Barty does a freaking a one-stop interview that was preceded by an Instagram post. Two paragraphs is all we got from the living goat. Hey, guys, not really that into tennis anymore. Cheers for the laughs. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. So arrogant. I love it. Sorry, I'm sure there's other things. I don't know what they are yet. But I can only assume there's other things that I'd be equally good at if I gave them just the slightest bit of my time. So congrats to Ash Barty. What a retirement. What a career. You know, here for a good time, not a long time. I appreciate that. And I wonder if some of those nerds who had a go at her for having half a corona on television that time, I wonder if those same nerds, James Matheson and co, would have said anything if they knew it was her last slam. 
You know, no wonder this poor girl retired. She's thinking, fuck, this is my last tennis game ever professionally. I just want to enjoy a fucking ice cold Corona. And we've got these absolute nerds on Twitter giving me grief. Do you know what? Fuck the lot of you. I'm out. Okay. I'm going to go study HR just to piss everyone off. So fantastic, Ash Barty. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I didn't speak about it last week because I had recorded my podcast before she had announced it. But my God, a complete, literally a living legend. A living legend. Okay. If you see her at the shops, it's just like, holy shit, there's a living legend in the fresh food section trying to work out if the avocados are any good this week. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if Ash Barty could take one of the worst avocados you've ever seen because they're crap at the moment. Just an absolute brick of a thing. And she could just touch it. And because she's in such fantastic form and because she is a legitimate living legend, it'll just ripen in her hands. And it'll ripen to the perfect amount and then she'll let it go. Just as she let go the hopes of this great nation. So I just wanted to ever so briefly pay homage to Ash Barty. I mean, dude, it's like I said about when Avril Lavigne returned, okay? I'm not, because I'm not that big of a tennis fan, okay? I'm not. But like I said, I don't even know the rules to NFL, but I know who Tom Brady is, dude. And if Tom Brady was from this country and had previously played for the Brisbane Heat in the women's BBL, I'd fucking know about him too, okay? So what a champion. What a legend. Congrats, Ash Barty. I love it when people retire on top. It's just, it's unbelievable. There's nothing better than going out on top, which is why today will be the last episode. (laughs) Oh, dude. No. This podcast, how do you retire from a podcast, I wonder? I'm not sure. But anyway, what am I cracking into here? So I should say this week I do come with a shitload of yarns. So strap in. So. First off, Friday night, I went to a live music concert, okay? Second one in three weeks. COVID, get the fuck out of my face, dude. I don't care anymore, all right? So uh, I saw the band Sly Withers on Friday night. Fantastic rock and or roll band. Indie rock, I think some people would call it. And I love Sly Withers and uh, been trying to see them for like, I think this was the third reschedule or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, so me and my cousin slash former Ladpad resident, Danny, went to the concert together. We rock up to the pub beforehand, ready to drill some piss. I unfortunately had blazed one with Macca before, before arriving and which I got no qualms with, you know, rock and roll and narcotics often go hand in hand. But seeing it was just me and Danny going, I probably should have eased off a little bit because that's a one-on-one conversation and I wasn't exactly bringing the heat at the pub, okay? Some people would have described me as crap company. But anyway, we rev it up at the pub, drill a million schooners, head to the gig, we get into the gig and we're on time. You know, we're punctual. Uh, We're there to see like every act. And first thing, hit the merch stand, okay? I hit the merch stand as a ritual now, okay? I love merch and merch loves me. 
Okay, I'm yet to try on a piece of merch that I don't look absolutely fantastic in. And then I am then a walking advertisement for this band and their musical stylings. So grab some merch, head on in. And the openers were so sick. It was this guy, Noah Dillon, I want to say. Noah Dillon, I'll double check that. Never heard of him before, but he was fantastic. And dude, honestly, I think if you just rock up for the headliners, you're kind of a chump. You know, you get your value, okay? So this Noah Dillon guy, never heard of him. Whatever. He was fantastic. Then this band Teenage Jones, who I love, they ripped so hard. Fucking phenomenal. Uh, so saw them. Then Sly Withers are coming out, pumped up. Now they put in, do you ever get the sense something horrific has happened? <laughs> because like, so in the Facebook event or the ticket link or whatever, we got like a post being like, the safety of our patrons is above all else. Uh, you know, the the most pivotal thing to us. We will stop the show if there's any antisocial behavior. This sort of stuff, you know, please uh, look after each other. We don't want anything, uh, you know, any violence or anything like that. I'm thinking, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I'm here to see an indie rock band from Triple J. You know, I thought it'd just be nose rings and fucking soda pops. I didn't, I wasn't expecting some sort of a, uh, a new metal death pit or whatever. But before they even started their first song, another warning, you know, please be safe. So I'm thinking, fuck, something pretty fucking weird has obviously happened on a previous leg of this tour. Because how many safety warnings before you think, wow, we lost a good one, you know, in Wollongong or wherever they were previously to this, uh, to this event. So now I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, what have I got myself into here? Well, you know, the boys were right to send off a few warnings because I've never seen a death pit sort of uh, form up quicker in quite some time. And uh, i got to say, it was one of the best times ever. Nothing but good times. I think, it, to be honest, it really wasn't that bad. Like, I feel like the they made me more scared from the warnings, you know? If there was no warnings, I would have thought, yeah, whatever, the, the boys are just going nuts. Like, this is just standard, you know? They made it seem like someone was going to pull out sort of a bladed weapon halfway through one of the choruses, you know? So just going absolutely nuts, having a great time. Wearing the merch as well. I'm not afraid to wear merch. I'm not afraid to buy the merch and then immediately put it on and enjoy the concert. And people were letting me know that that is not the coolest thing to do. So people were letting me know that it's actually not cool to do that. Blokes were coming after me being like, oh, you like Sly Withers, do you? You know, they're actually playing tonight. <laughs> like kind of mugging me off a bit. And I was like, yeah, I do know they're playing. That's actually specifically the reason I've come to this venue on this particular date and time, okay? What you what you might do, you might embarrass me, you might fucking abuse me, <laughs> you will not rattle me, okay? That's where I draw the line. Uh, apparently being supportive isn't as cool as I thought it was. But anyway, yeah, so everyone's going nuts. Greatest concert ever. These guys were so good live. Anyway, so then Danny and these random guys are like, we're going to uh, do you want to crowd surf for the next song? And I had seen other people crowd surfing and I thought, fucking oath, I want to crowd surf for the next song. So next thing you know, the song goes up, I'm crowd surfing. You beauty, surfing the crowd. Okay. Uh, it's fucking fun. I'll say that. Highly recommend. 
to anyone who's thinking, well, I can't, I can't surf in the ocean. What are my qualifications for surfing the crowd? And I'll have you know that when you're surfing a crowd, the crowd does way more work than the ocean does, okay? The crowd will keep you up, whereas the ocean has literally zero, zero thinking as far as not just smashing your head first into a sandbar for attempting to try a new skill. Whereas the crowd is actually a much friendlier medium to surf, I believe, okay? Now, I did accidentally kick a bloke in the head. In my defense, he should have been watching, okay? And he should have been assisting me to surf because that is really the ethos of crowd surfing. Everyone stop what you're doing so I can have a better time than you, okay? So I'm crowd surfing away and then sort of, you know, do a bit of a loop of the crowd, get brought back down, high fives all round, rock and roll music still playing. It's fantastic. Now, one bloke goes, hey, security's coming for you. You better bail. And I, I didn't do anything because I thought, who gives a fuck what security are doing? Because I didn't know that they don't like you crowd surfing. I saw other people crowd surfing and it seemed fine. I didn't see anyone get kicked out. But anyway, I don't, I don't know. So, well, the freaking jacked out of his mind Asian bloke coming towards me at pace suggested that I was in fact wrong and that you cannot crowd surf. It's in fact completely frowned upon and not something you should be doing, which I didn't know. So next thing you know, this jacked Asian guy, uh, you know, has got, got me by the arm and I'm like pulling, I'm going fuck off, you know, like, cause I'm still not hundred percent sure what's going on. And also I don't want to get kicked out. So then enter Danny. Okay. Hero of the week, Danny. He literally just grabs this, this jacked guy's arm, rips it off mine and more or less starts fighting this bouncer. Okay. I sort of ducked down and ran out of the mosh while this guy chased after me and Danny sort of chased after him. Unbelievable selflessness from Danny. Uh, I went into the bathroom like a complete coward. Okay. Keep in mind, you know, I've just had one of my best mates take the bullet for something I did. Okay, <laughs> then luckily I was wearing the merch over the top. So I just swapped my shirt, went back into the mosh. You know, I was thinking, fuck, where's Danny? Even though in my heart, and I'm sure in your heart too, you know, he has been heavily ejected by three to four bounces. Okay, so I text Danny and I'm thinking, because I don't really want to leave. They've still got three songs left. So I text Danny. He says, mate, I've been kicked out. I'm smoking a dart outside. Don't worry about it. You enjoy the last three songs and I'll see you out here after. What a gentleman. Okay. So he's got kicked out for me crowd surfing. Admittedly, he did try to apprehend the bouncer as though he were local law enforcement. But again, he was only doing that to save me. Then he gets kicked out and then he says, no, you enjoy the rest of the concert. I mean, this guy, I don't deserve a friend like Danny. What a man. So then I'm thinking, fuck, how good's this? Then I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm by myself. But then I run into some bloke who is a fan of the podcast. And then another bloke comes up to me with a, with a drink and says, mate, really loved your Warnie tribute. Get this into you. So now it's a free drink and a free friend. They got three songs to go. Bam. Never give up. Had the best time ever. Watched them close out the show. It was so fucking good. And that's, and that's that, okay? That's another example of Billy Darcy 
failing to receive the consequences for his actions. And I wish I could tell you this wasn't a trend in my life, dude. But too often, I have slipped through the net when it was me who should have been caught by the fisherman. You know what I mean? Too often, I have been left smiling and laughing with a free CC and dry, despite the fact I should have been roughly kicked out by three to four jacked bouncers, okay? So Billy Darcy gets away with it again. I'm like that octopus that slips through the crack in the box. You think, where did this son of a bitch go? And you think, that's Billy Darcy, okay? He can get through any crack because much like an octopus, he is completely spineless himself. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so then, the next day, I wake up. Dustiest man on the planet, okay? Because blew it out the night before and then wake up, got to start my tour, the fourth grade ratbag tour, beginning in Wollongong and... I got to say, I was in no state. I was in absolutely no state. Luckily, the show wasn't until 8 p.m. or 7.30 or whatever. So had plenty of time to sort my shit out. Pat Doherty picks me up. You know, the snake himself opening the shows. He'll be opening in Newcastle this weekend again. He picks me up. He's got a Holden Rodeo, which is quite an iconic vehicle. So it's me, Pat, and Freddie. We're heading down. I'm hungover, but optimistic. So, in some sort of a random pullover event, Pat ends up getting drug tested on the way to Wollongong, which shouldn't have been the biggest deal in the world, except I've known Pat for a very long time, and I know one thing he doesn't carry is any documentation, okay? This guy has never had his license on him the longest time I've known him, and this really escalated the situation, because (laughs) Pat has a very devil-may-care style of charm and communication and the devil may not care but I tell you what officer freaking Thompson over here or whoever definitely did okay I've never seen a guy interact with police in a way where he seems to be aggravating the situation whether intentionally or unintentionally (laughs) so so the guy goes have you got your license and I'm like fuck here we go because I know I know Pat doesn't So then Pat is like pretending to look for it in the glove box or whatever. I'm thinking, fucking hell, mate. The Oscars are happening this week and you're not in the running. We don't need to continue this charade any further. So then he doesn't have his license. And the guy goes, do you have a DVL? Which I admit I didn't know either. So Pat goes, what's a DVL? He goes, it's a digital license. And Pat goes, potentially. He said potentially to this police officer. Then Pat gets out his phone and opens this Centrelink app. Not the Service New South Wales app where every, anyone with, with freaking two brain cells running around in the top paddock. Everyone knows it's in the Service New South Wales app. There was a while where you couldn't even check your own mailbox here in Sydney without opening the Service New South Wales app. Everybody knows that's where it is. I mean, it's insane. So Pat goes, Pat goes potentially and opens the Centrelink app and then he's looking through the Centrelink app for his digital license. The guy goes, it's not in the Centrelink app. It's in the Service New South Wales app. He go, and, he, and so Pat goes, all right, yep, 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 sorry. He goes, I think I have one. Pat opens the Service New South Wales app in front of this guy and it says like, welcome new user, would you like to register? 
And the cop goes, well, it's you obviously don't have one, mate. Okay? Stop the charade. What are we doing here? So then I think that's what pushed it over the edge, that it was no longer just a random breath test, but it was, in fact, a, a full-blown drug test. So we had like a 20-minute delay where the guy had to first identify Pat, then identify what drugs he was on, if any, which, of course, he wasn't. And it, it was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Absolute debacle. We're on the side of the highway in some random part of Cronulla for like 10 minutes. I think, I think Pat asked the guy what a DVL is another three times in that, in that period. I swear to God, if he asked again, he'd still be in jail right now. This guy was doing his best. You know, he had the full uh, cam on his chest and everything. I'm telling you. If this was 1993 and Pat Doherty asked what a DVL was for a third, maybe even a fourth time, I think we're seeing some old school, some 1993 police justice. You know what I mean? The old pepper spray and baton, the one-two. You know what I mean? They used to call that the prime minister's right hand in the 90s. But now, you know, you got a body cam on and you're held accountable a little bit more. But yeah, I've never seen a bloke handle a police interaction worse in all my life, okay? I think at one point, Pat was like, sorry, uh, do you mind if I just smoke a cigarette? This is taking for ages. Like, <laughs> it was poorly handled. So anyway, <clears throat> we eventually get to Wollongong, uh, get down there, and this venue is not a traditional venue. It's like an art exhibition space where they just happen to have stand-up comedy. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it any other way. It had artwork all over the walls. The, the chairs were camping chairs, like literally fold-out camping chairs. It was like a BYO bar. Um, the people that ran it were sick as fuck. Really cool. The whole place was like, it was like a very underground location. You know, it felt too cool for Billy Darcy to be performing there, I would have argued. But anyway, so the show was awesome. I had Pat Doherty... Rowan Arneal and Freddie McManus do some time before me. Uh, so there's the value in the show. I mean, before I even... Because it was only $20 tickets, which looking back, I'm absolutely mortified at the show people receive for 20 bucks. I mean, before I'd even got on stage, you've got your 20 bucks worth. It was almost like a free pass for me. It was like we're doing, we're doing no refunds no matter what happens in the next 55 minutes. Because you've just had half an hour of fucking great stand-up comedy from three of the best out in Sydney. So it's it's nothing but good times. And I get up, had a really fun time. I absolutely torched a bloke in the front row who it turned out had driven all the way from Sydney to the show. And when I said, you know, I'm also doing the show in Sydney, he said, yeah, I'm going to that one too. So I apologize then and I apologize now, mate. Okay. Turns out I've just taken my uh, number one fan through the dry cleaner for absolutely no reason, and uh, you have my sincere condolences. But such a fun show. Afterwards, it's like, where are we going to go? You know, I'm talking to all the people in the crowd. Everyone's like, let's go to the pub. I go, yep, I'm absolutely ravenous. I was staying in some weird halfway house hostel. Uh, Really bizarre. Checked in there, like, right before the show. I'm not going to tell you much about the hostel, all you need to know is that the bloke who ran it looked like uh, Filch from Harry Potter, okay? If Filch was also running a hostel in the summertime when he wasn't at Hogwarts, it was this guy, okay? He was quite a scary individual. 
and he would only let me pay via cash. And it said on the sign out the front, they were taking a stand against merchant fees. So look, I'm fine. If Don't give me this bullshit about standing up to merchant fees. I think we all know you're standing up to paying taxes. Okay, at least when you go to a local Chinese restaurant that hasn't been renovated since 1973, they just say we're only taking cash and then they look at you angrily until you pay the full $350 bill in one payment of cash because they also don't split bills. Okay, now I'm not saying what they do is any better, but I'm saying at least they have the balls to look me in the eye and just fucking do it without the fairy tales about standing up to merchant fees, okay? So anyway, so they're all like, we got to go to this pub. There's a pub in Wollongong at the moment, the Illawarra Hotel, that has been renamed the Volkanovsky because Alex Volkanovsky is from Wollongong and he's defending his belt, I think, in a week or two. So, I mean, that's got my name written all over it, okay? I love the Volk and I also love sinking schooners. Okay, so this is just double trouble. Then I'm out the front, three blokes from the uh, from the show, absolute legends. Uh, I'll keep their names to myself, I suppose, for any, in case one of them is applying for a HR job currently. But they go, Bill, we're actually going to this 21st, you should come. Okay, now this is a range of emotions have been triggered by me in this situation because I'm 27. Now, I don't think my days of going to 21st are over, okay? I'm, I am friends with the youth, okay? You know, the youth get me. I'm mentally 14, so I'm very easy to relate to. However, my days of crashing 21st, I think they're probably over, okay? Then the lads follow up and they say it's a gender bender uh, theme party. So, uh, you know, gender bender theme, I'm not participating, I'm not invited, and then here's the thing. One of the lads was invited, but the other two were not. So then, and then it's me, Rowan, and his mate, Morrow. So now it's like one of the lads is invited and we're bringing a plus five of like blokes in their 20s, <laughs> which is like the worst. If, any, if anyone has ever been at a 21st, no one's ever said ever, gee, I hope six blokes who aren't invited turn up to this thing. You know, it's, it's like the worst combo of, of people imaginable. Maybe three blokes, three gals, and they're all single. So then they can disperse themselves throughout the party. You know, ideally you want six single girls. I would, I would argue even single girls would want more single girls to come to a 21st. You know, anytime six blokes rock up gate crashing, usually a chair is about to be broken over someone's head. Okay. So then, and I'm thinking we're going to rock up and it's going to be, you know, a big house and her dad's going to come out and be like, you don't know my daughter. What the hell? Get out of here. It was also a girl's 21st. And then I'm thinking, geez, I don't know what's going on. Then one of the lads that says, we got, we got a bag of ketamine the size of your fucking head. Is that going to, you know, get you over the line in any way, shape or form? And I'm thinking, to be honest, it's... To be honest, it's something I do need to now reevaluate because I hadn't done ketamine in about 18 months. There was an incident, okay? We had a bit of a ketamine phase at the lad pad where we did it a few weekends in a row and it was great times, great classic hits, okay? Ketamine suits me to a degree because it slows everything down. 
You know, stimulants, I'm already an absolute pest when I'm drunk, okay? I don't need stimulants, really, you know? But ketamine slows things down, and I do enjoy doing it. But I hadn't done it since this one night where, after soccer, we had like 30 people back. Absolute session. And I ended up sleeping in Adzi's bed because I couldn't make it to my bedroom. You know, I was in the K-hole, got stuck in this chair for about two hours outside, I was in this chair and I thought I was on like a roller coaster, you know, like it was so scary. And then, and then I sort of came to for a second, got my head above water, above the ketamine as it were. And I ran inside and I didn't make it to my room. I, I could only make it to Adzi's. Okay. And this is particularly alarming because me and Adzi's rooms are across from each other in the hallway. Okay. So the fact that I couldn't make it to my room when it's geographically pretty much the same distance was unsettling. And then also I woke up still in my full soccer kit, like shin pads and soccer boots and everything, cuddling Adzi because I got stuck in a K-hole the night before and I couldn't make it from my backyard to my own fucking bedroom, which is about seven meters as the crow flies. Okay. So I hadn't done ketamine since that incident and I was noticeably apprehensive because of that. So we get to this party Turns out, it, no parents, okay? It was like a share house 21st. Um, we get there about 10. Everyone there was super welcoming. I roll into the kitchen. Straight away, I did a beer bong of soju, which I later found out is Asian wine, Asian rice wine, and then did a shot. And then and everyone at the party was so welcoming that I didn't feel like a piece of shit for crashing it. And then it was on, okay? Now... I'm doing shitloads of ketamine with the lads and having a great time. Now, it wasn't as much of a fairy tale as that, I will admit. So firstly, did my first rail of ketamine or whatever you call it. And this first one hit me like a truck, okay? I was thinking, fuck, we've got a bit of an incident happening here right now because I was so fucked up and I hadn't done it in two years. And it was just, you know, I wasn't, it's hard to describe, but I wasn't, you know, the world wasn't interacting with me as it was beforehand, okay? I was having a bit of a tough time. So I said to Rowan, I said, mate, you're going to have to look after me tonight because Rowan is much cooler than me and can, can do drugs at a much higher level than I can. So I said, Rowan, mate, I'm going to have to stay with you tonight because I don't want to go back to fucking Filch's halfway house and try and make it to my room fucking ketamined out of my goddamn head. Because I reckon sober, I would have had trouble finding my room. You know, it was like number 14, up three flights of stairs, you know, past the forbidden section, take a left, then a right. And when you see fucking Dumbledore's office, you've gone too far. You know, it was, I'd literally dropped my bag off this in this dorm room and left. So I'm thinking I'm fucked. Also, there was three other blokes sleeping in this room, in this hostel room. So I'm thinking I can't go back there in this state, it'll just be a disaster, so Rowan's like, yeah, yeah, all good, mate, I'll look after you, anyway, then about half an hour passes, and I'm, and I start to get, you know, the ketamine just drops off a bit, I'm like, all right, okay, I'm going okay here now, I was being dramatic earlier, now I'm going okay, so then, you know, proceed to do a fair bit more ketamine, but once, it was like that first one, I'd got my, my sea legs back, you know, So after that, I was all right. Like I was still fucked up, but like in a productive way, 
you know, in a fun way where I was no longer concerned for my safety. So Rowan heads home. I'm I'm kicking it with the three lads from the show because they're absolute fucking legends. And we all go to this club in Wollongong. And Wollongong is a pretty rough town, I got to say. I don't want to piss anyone from Wollongong off, but it's quite a rough town, okay? The, the, the venues we went to were just fucking out of control. People are vomiting and fighting and doing coke and then repeating all of that, okay? So we went into this club. The boys are doing more ketamine. And I got, it was like just this full on rave, like so not my scene at all. It was like fucking hard style music or whatever you call it, where it's just people going fucking nuts. I felt like I was in project X, you know, it was that thing where like a guy would be here and then he just sort of freaking shapeshift and he was over here. I couldn't tell where people were moving. So long story short, I had the best fucking night of my life. And then here's my thing with clubs. And I've said this before on the podcast is. I'll go to a club, but I have to be on drugs, okay? I'm not going in, I'm not having like 10 twoies new and going in and pretending I enjoy fucking trance music, okay? I can enjoy that stuff, but I just need help, okay? You just need some assistance from from local narcotics, okay? Which is exactly what happened. So, had the best time ever. Even was hooking up with this local girl who I met in the in the line outside, uh, I shouldn't say girl, she was about like 29, but, but anyway, and then all the lads are like, we're heading off. This is about like 3am and I give them an emotional goodbye because they've just shown me one of the greatest nights of all time and, uh, so much fun. And so say goodbye to the boys, you know, high fives all around. And then I return to the dance floor, still pretty, you know, you know, seven ways to Sunday as it were. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to ask this girl if she wants to go. And then if she says yes or no, like if she says no, obviously I'll just leave. And if she says yes, I'll try and stay at her place instead of Filch's fucking halfway house. Well, anyway, it just goes to show, you know, I forgot, I forgot the, old, the old rule of the club. As soon as you freaking leave somewhere, that person will disappear forever. So I said goodbye to all the lads. Then I went back to the dance floor. The girl was gone. Now I'm just on ketamine in Wollongong by myself, crashing back to reality. So then I walked home at about 3.30 a.m. by myself, no AirPods in because I felt like I was going to get king hit. You know, that i got to say, Wollongong at 3.30, I get it's late at night, but it could feel safer, okay? <laughs> I don't want to cast aspersions because, I, you know, it could have been the ketamine, but I've got to say I did not feel safe. So... Anyway, got home, found my room at this halfway house and yeah, found it, found my way to my bed and it was just, I got to say, one of the funnest nights of my year. Great show. Um, you know, my new show, it was my first time doing my new show as well that I've been working on in Wollongong. So great times, great classic hits. Thanks to everyone who came out. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and yeah, so Newcastle this weekend is sold out. Uh, there's still some tickets for May 19 uh, at the Sydney Comedy Festival, and you can get those tickets in my Instagram bio. Now, I want to talk about Will Smith, then I want to talk briefly about the cricket, and then we're done. Okay, so, the Will Smith-Chris Rock incident. Let's talk about it. Firstly, two things before I get into this. Firstly, 
I like Will Smith, and I lo- I loved Will Smith before this, or I liked him before this. I would say, like most people, you love Will Smith until about 2013 or whatever. Then I still liked him when we had all this stuff. You know, he's at the red table talking about how his wife has her back blown out by local rappers. And that was kind of weird. It's like, I'm sorry, dude, just make another I Am Legend. We don't care what you guys get up to on a Tuesday night. And it's it's quite uncomfortably delusional that they think anyone in particular would give a fuck about their personal life. Okay? But I do like Will Smith. I read his book over the Christmas period. And it was a really good book. I mean, it's his autobiography or biography, whichever one of those is correct. And it was such a good book because his life is so interesting. He went from rapper to like sitcom actor to movie star. It's just unbelievable. It was such a good book. I would recommend that book to anyone. I will say by the end of the book, it's very apparent that this guy like is a proper psychopath. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he's just like a bit unhinged with his whole like success at all costs thing and being the best regardless of literally anything. The guy is literally times a million ambition, okay? All you need to know about Will Smith is that he, five years ago or so, was still the most, if not one of the most, famous people on the planet. And he still felt the need to start a YouTube channel, okay? That's all you need to know about Will Smith. Enough will never be enough for this man, okay? If he went to, if he went to like somebody's seventh birthday party, he'd be like, why is everyone giving that seven-year-old so much attention? That's Will Smith, okay? He's the man. He's probably maybe one of the most talented people, one of the most unique people to ever live. But the guy's a little bit unhinged, okay? The YouTube channel it was such a bizarre play to stay relevant in a world where literally every single person already knows who you are and what you do. The other thing you need to know before I talk about this is as soon as Will Smith steps on that stage, I'm on Chris Rock's side 100%. And any stand-up who isn't is a bit like, what are we doing here, you know? Stand-ups have just been getting treated like shit for ages, dude. You know, everyone's got a story of like some wild bloke having a go at them at a gig. Some guy in Perth was throwing paper plates at me one night and it's like, fuck off, you know? (laughs) And I got off easy, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you got to stand with Chris Rock in the trenches on this one. It'd be like if you're a plumber and some guy came up and slapped uh, one of your plumber mates in the face. And it's like, yeah, we don't have to defend him on merit. But if he got slapped while he was plumbing, we can't have that, okay? We simply cannot have that. Chris Rock is up there doing jokes, whether you like them or not. They are jokes, okay? They are comedy told within the context of everyone knowing that this comedian is telling jokes, okay? And at the end of the day, whatever you think about the alopecia joke, they're just words, dude. At the end of the day, they are just words, okay? And I can go in on the joke being too far. I'm not like one of these guys who's like, there is no line, brother, okay? You can say whatever you want up there. It's like, dude, you totally can't say whatever you want up there. And there are totally consequences uh, for, for saying stuff if it's too, too far past the line, as Chris Rock found out, dude. 
okay? But at the end of the day, they are just words, okay? You know, if if Will Smith didn't hit Chris Rock, is anyone even talking about that joke? Probably not, okay? And Andrew Schultz just posted this wild uh, podcast clip roasting Will Smith. And every joke is 25 times worse than what Chris Rock said. No one is blowing up a fucking a school building because of these jokes. They're just words. So yeah, words can hurt. Words can offend. But words are, no matter what, words, okay? You can say they hurt me or I don't like them, but you can't dispute the fact that they are, in fact, just words, okay? So anyway, firstly, so Chris Rock gets slapped in the face for saying that Jada Smith, look forward to seeing you in the G.I. Jane 2 film, referring to her bald head. And of course, she has alopecia, which is a pretty red hot joke to make. And I could totally see, I, I could, I, if you said to me that joke is too far, I would probably agree. But Chris Rock was going to, he gets, he gets slapped in the face and he was going to continue. He was just going to pro it out. <laughs> Until Will Smith starts yelling, keep my name out of your fucking mouth or my wife's name, you know? So Chris Rock got slapped in the face on live television and was going to continue. I mean, this guy is such a pro. Like, how, how seriously do you have to take your hosting duties before you go, hey, guys, what the, what the fuck is going on here? Like the Academy said to him, whatever happens up there, we must stick to time. <laughs> You're like, God damn, Will Smith just punched me in the face, but I've got seven seconds to get to the to throw to the documentary award, so I'm just going to have to deal with that at a later date, okay? Also, who was the security guard who was clearly on TikTok and missed this whole thing? How can a man <laughs> walk on stage? Firstly, as soon as he steps on stage, security should be there, okay? He approaches Chris Rock. Security should be there. He slaps Chris Rock in the face. Security should appear. He walks off stage. Security should appear. He then sits down and begins abusing Chris Rock. After slapping him, security should appear. Okay? There is no scenario. Okay? I can go in on this thing. Let's say the joke was too far. You should never make fun of someone's autoimmune disease, which I'm... I don't, I don't disagree with that at all, okay? That's totally fair to say. But there is, whether you think Chris Rock deserved it, whether you think Will Smith is a hero or a villain, there is no scenario where Will Smith should not have been immediately ejected from the premises, okay? <laughs> you cannot assault someone in any context at any event and not be ejected, let alone the host, let alone everyone saw it, okay? Everyone in that room is a fucking, a bigger cuck than Will for freaking applauding that guy 15 minutes after he just assaulted Chris Rock, dude. <laughs> and even if you're on Will Smith's side, there is no scenario where he shouldn't have been immediately ejected. Like, and, and it kind of almost sends a message that it's like, Will Smith can assault someone and return to his seat because he's Will Smith, because he's a famous actor. Dude, that is so gross. That is unbelievable. So if someone less famous did that to Chris Rock, would they have been ejected? If someone who wasn't up for an Oscar did that to Chris Rock, would they have been ejected? What if it, Will Smith did that to Chris Rock 
but it was one of the years where, where Will Smith wasn't doing well. You know, what about that year he, 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 uh, he what was that, that movie he did with Jaden that was awful? After Earth. What about the year he did After Earth? And everyone's like, oh, Will Smith is washed, dude. That, that movie sucked and he forced his son to do it. If he hits Chris Rock the same year he releases After Earth, is he ejected then? You know, I just want to know where's the line for fame where you can assault someone on camera and get away with it, you know? That idea that he got away with that because he's an actor is so disgusting. The idea that Will Smith or any actor is important in any scenario, important enough to get away with that, is hilarious. The only situation where Will Smith is important is if you're filming a movie starring Will Smith and you're on set filming it in that moment, then Will Smith is extremely important, and I can see that. But outside, if Will Smith isn't playing dress-ups with a camera on him, he's just a guy, and he should be held to the same standards as the rest of us, you know? If Eminem went up and slapped Chris Rock in the face and was like, hey, that joke was too far, is Eminem famous enough to get away with that? If Beyonce did, where's the line, you know? It's like, oh, sorry, because Will plays dress-up for a living. He's allowed to do that. Chris Rock's an actor as well. If Chris Rock slapped him back, would he have been allowed to keep hosting? If Chris Rock went into the crowd and spat on Will Smith, would he have been allowed to then return to the stage? I mean, whatever you think about this, whatever angle, who you love, who you hate, what you think of the joke, what you think of the slap, what you think of Will Smith crying afterwards, There's no scenario where he should have been allowed to accept that Oscar. You know? What a freaking... What a weird situation, dude. Actors. Actors. And then everyone in the crowd is applauding Will Smith 10 minutes later as if he didn't just do something horrific to someone who is also an actor. I mean, actors are just the worst, to be honest. But also, so... The problem is, I think the context of this is that everyone hates Will Smith now. We don't like him anymore. (laughs) Dude, no one would have seen Independence Day if everyone knew Will Smith was getting cucked out at his own home by some 22-year-old rapper, you know? You can't be Will Smith and also have your wife just absolutely mugging you off to the world like this. Will Smith in 2006 is probably crowd surfing out of there after slapping Chris Rock. Everyone's going, yeah, that's what you get for picking on Will Smith's wife, you know? But now it's like, dude, like, we know that you won't do any, you don't actually, you're not actually about this life. We had this 22-year-old rapper who used to double book a play date with Jaden and a session in the trenches with Jada in the same afternoon, and there was nothing done about that. But God forbid Chris Rock makes a slightly off-color comment. about your wife's head, you know? Plenty of comedians have been freaking absolutely going nuts talking about the head your wife gives in in statements that are way worse. And we've seen no consequences, you know? So it kind of makes it seem like the only thing that sent Will Smith onto that stage was the fact that Chris Rock is smaller than him and he could get away with doing it because it was Chris Rock. Do you honestly think he would have hit Ricky Gervais? No. Do you think he would have hit, like, do you think he would have done anything if The Rock was hosting the Oscars? It was purely because in this moment, 
Will Smith's like, this is my moment to take out all my frustrations and look who it is. The guy who's in the firing line now just happens to be a five foot seven comedian with little to no martial arts ability that we know of. You know? There's no way Will Smith touches the host if he's bigger than Will Smith or it would have hurt Will Smith's career to do so. And that's why Will Smith is a bitch for doing it, dude. Okay? There's no excuse to put your hands on some bloke because you didn't like a joke. Okay? And the Academy or the Oscars people are even bigger losers for allowing that to happen and then allowing him to receive an award as if the award is more important than the assault. Dude, actors are so deluded and so in their own world, it's unbelievable. Okay? But anyway, what a time to be alive. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The Australia vs. Pakistan series, I'll just say this just to wrap us up. Australia won the test series against Pakistan in emphatic fashion. I'll say good on the boys for, for never giving up. Good on Nathan Lyon for never giving up. And also, I'll say this. Usman Khawaja deserves to play every test this home summer, regardless of what happens between now and then. Okay, give Usman Khawaja the home summer that Tim Payne never got. Okay, Uzi's about to turn 36 or he's just turned 35. I'd like to see Usman Khawaja play the home summer and then at the SCG get chaired off by the lads in front of a full crowd and retire on his own terms. I would love to see Usman Khawaja do an ash party and get the fanfare that he has always deserved. Okay. Uzi deserves it, and I'm telling you this, if he doesn't, he will be dropped anyway, okay? There's no way Usman Khawaja, there's no way his test career extends past 2023, okay? He's already, he's, he's just too old, and he doesn't have the credit points built up from the last 10 years that David Warner has, okay? They're not going to drop David Warner ever, as they shouldn't, okay? He's not a personal favorite of mine, but he is an absolute gun. So make no mistake, Uzi will be on the chopping block eventually. You know, he can't score runs at this sort of rate forever. And I would love to see Usman Khawaja play a full home summer in the test team because he fucking deserves it. And I would love to see him retire from test cricket at the SCG at the end of the summer. That's what I want. I think Usman Khawaja deserves it. I think the selectors should freaking give him that opportunity because he deserves it. And like I said, even if he has a great home summer, the axe will eventually drop because of his age and because they, what are you going to drop David Warner instead? That's ridiculous. Okay. So I think that would be the best case scenario for Uzi. But yeah, good on Pat Cummins. Pretty ridiculously tough tour. No wonder all the boys left as soon as the last test match ended. They're playing one dayers over there now. Don't really give a fuck at all. Um, but yeah, love what the boys did over there. Well done getting the win. 1-0. Pakistan did not deserve to get anything from that test series. And the ICC need to come down way harder on home teams that doctor wickets in this fashion. And not even doctoring wickets for home team advantage. Doctoring wickets in a way that does not produce test cricket that is of a, a good enough standard, okay? Test cricket is a product, and when you 
make pitches that are so low and slow and boring, you cheapen the product and you you deteriorate its value, okay? Make no mistake, the Aussies having a boring series in Pakistan affects the amount of people that will be at the MCG this Boxing Day, okay? It's all test cricket, you know? It's no mistake that one of the, the best home summers are either the Ashes or when is everyone most jacked up to watch summer cricket in Australia? Test cricket, it's the summer after we've just played the Ashes in England, okay? Because people have been watching that and it's always exciting in England. So the same applies here and and yeah. So they need to sort out those pitches because that was disgraceful. But apart from that, well done to the lads. And uh, and yeah, thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, way too gone, way too gone.